Well, welcome to this assembly of Blaine Baptist Church. It is good to have each of you here with us uh, this morning. I do have a bit uh, more announcements, a few more announcements than typical, so I'll try to run through those um, swiftly this evening. We will be uh, looking to a church business meeting and especially figuring out October missions giving goals for the uh, for the emphasis on missions that we'll have through the month of October. Uh, if the deacons could meet at 520, at 520, we'll uh, go over some other things pertaining to the meeting and thereafter. And then uh, ministry to new moves. So thank you for those who helped yesterday in writing uh, letters to those who have moved into the uh, area this coming Saturday. We're going to be writing a, a little bit more, but especially stuffing envelopes. So if you'd like to help and you're able to do that, putting the things in envelopes, putting a tract in with it, putting a, an offer from our church in with that, um, I'd be happy to have your help. And that starts at 10 o'clock. And just let me know if you're planning to come and then I'll have enough um, enough materials ready for us to um, efficiently get that done. And then October 7th, we'll be here um, soon enough. And we're looking forward to uh, the King's Kids ministry beginning again. That's for all who are five years old through fifth grade, five years old through fifth grade. And so if you'd like to be involved in that, we invite you to do so and talk to uh, you can talk to Elaine about details there. That's beginning October 7th. And then, as you already know, the missions focus in the month of October. We're having a, a missionary lady who is a missionary to Papua New Guinea. Um, she's going to be with us October 11th, the second Sunday in October. And then the last Sunday in October, we'll have uh, one of Ruth Potter's co-workers with us uh, in, in uh, the, the last Sunday there of October, October 25th. Uh, so looking forward to those uh, those things. And if you could pray that God would bless as we plan and prepare for those those meetings. In terms of prayer requests and uh, updates, a number, if you could be continuing to pray for Renee and Dan and Kevin's uncle, who all uh, have COVID. Dan, Dan might not have COVID, but probably does. Um, or it's highly likely, at least, uh, because of uh, close contact with Renee. He does. He is sick uh, right at the moment. And so be praying for uh, them. Be praying for Daryl. We mentioned him on Wednesday. Daryl Fryer, um, his eye issues in his right eye have improved, and his left eye uh, is now worse than his right eye ever was. Uh, so be praying for him as he makes decisions about what to do. And, and then the Marshalls and the Rajants, uh, both uh, are uh, are in the process of uh, getting buyers for their house and in the process of uh, selling their houses. And for those of you who have bought or sold houses, you know that uh, those are not always uh, simple transactions. And so pray pray that those would move uh, smoothly, if that would be the Lord's uh, kind uh, kind will. And uh, Christina is Stephanie's friend. And uh, they did have a stillborn little girl. Um, and so pray especially for um, 
Christina and her husband, that God would be kind in strengthening and bringing peace and comforting. Um, And then Dan Headland, I mentioned in the Sunday school hour, uh, he's back in the hospital and he has been uh, for a while now. I just heard of it. So be praying for Dan um, as he is, is hospitalized at this time. I think most of the other announcements you can read and prayer requests uh, do uh, share them with me, share them with others, that we might be faithful in praying for one another. Our scripture memory is Proverbs 23, verses 15 through 17. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart also will rejoice, and my inmost being will be glad uh, sorry, we'll be glad and we'll rejoice as, as a reverse. So let me start that again. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart also will be glad and my inmost being will rejoice when you speak what is right. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Uh, envy is one of those pernicious sins. Um, it's it's the It's the contrast and the uh, the opposite of contentment right or at least in part where we are not content it's easy for us to see what others uh, have what others are doing uh, their circumstance of life their youth their elderliness uh, their work their not work uh, and it's easy in whatever circumstance to, to be envious Uh, Might the Lord help us that we would not envy, uh, that we would not envy sinners, that we would not envy, uh, period. So Proverbs 23, verses 15 through 17. My son, if your heart is wise, my own heart also will be glad and my inmost being will rejoice when you speak what is right, when your lips speak what is right. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Might God help us to that end? Might we bow as we begin in, in worship this morning? Let's look to our God in prayer. Our Lord, we thank you that you are great and holy, high and lifted up. We thank you that you are worthy of fear. And we pray that our fear might be aligned to you, to your nature, and to the greatness of all that you are. We pray that you would help us, that we would hate and abhor sin, that you would increase in us holiness, and that by Christ we might be faithful as your righteous servants, the servants that you desire us to be. I pray, Lord, for those who are struggling in physical trials and hardships, some we've mentioned, others we haven't this morning. Lord, might you especially strengthen them physically, but strengthen them so that their physical hardships would not be a gateway to sin and to mistreating and mis, 
uh, using the circumstances that you have put into their lives. Lord, I pray that you would raise up and restore those with COVID. I pray for those who are hospitalized, that you would strengthen and raise them up. Lord, we each know the comforts of home, and we pray that you would strengthen those who are not able to be home. Thinking about the Sunday school hour, we saw the joy of fellowship with your saints. And Lord, I pray for those who are not able to be in their church home at this time, that you would especially keep us praying for them. Might you especially encourage and comfort them. I pray that you would do that even through us. Lord, I thank you for the joy of the fellowship of churches and I pray Lord that you would bless uh, in our sister churches uh, here in this uh, state might you especially help uh, the churches without pastors at this time I'm aware of the church in Moorhead and Rochester and Winnebago being without churches those those places I pray that for churches in the MBA that are pastorless, that you might even in their midst raise up the men of God that you would have, that you would shepherd your sheep through your under shepherds. We pray that you would be kind in that. We think of the church in Adrian this morning and pray for Pastor Branson that you would be kind in strengthening him in the ministry this day might your church there be a reflection of the joy of serving and following you and might they be faithful in bringing others to that joy as you allow and as you give opportunity we think lord of our physical needs and pray that you might provide for them you have graciously sustained and helped our church. Uh, even financially, you have helped us. And we pray in thanksgiving to you for that. We pray for our missionaries. Each of them with different ministry circumstances and different financial circumstances. Uh, might we, even as we look to focus on missions, in the month ahead, might you use us to your glory. We recognize that we are unworthy servants, and yet we rejoice that in Christ we are made worthy, that we can serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We pray that you would bless as we come before you in worship. Might you receive the glory and honor and praise from our lips, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. We have a habit of reading from the Psalms responsively as we begin our services. This morning we're reading from Psalm 15. Psalm 15.
Psalm 15, a psalm of David. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend. In whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. You take your hymnals, uh, take the blue hymnal, Turn with me to number 27. Mighty God, while angels bless thee. Number 27. As you're able, would you stand as we sing? Mighty God, while angels bless thee, may all mortals sing thy name. Lord of man as well as angels, thou art every creature's theme. Lord of every land and nation, ancient of eternal days. Sounded through the wide creation, be thy just and endless grace. For the grandeur of thy nature, grant me on a seraph's thought for created works of power, works with skill and for thy providence that governs through thine empire's wide domain. Wings and angel guides a sparrow, blessed be thy gentle reign. For thy rich, thy free redemption shall Savior, Lord of life and glory. 
silent I can never be, for salvation's wondrous story, praise eternal praise to Thee. Amen. Would you take the gray hymnals now? And uh, turn with me to number 127. 127 in the gray hymnals. Hark the herald angels sing. Oh, he 
If you are thinking as to the theme of the songs this morning, you may have noticed Adam's likeness now efface and the rich redemption, the free redemption that comes from our Lord while mighty angels bless him. Um, We're singing and looking to the theme of the fall and in God's kindness, he has redeemed us from sin. As the ushers come for this morning's offering, um, we're following along in the gray hymnal, hymn number 229, And Can It Be? And let us look to our God as we as we bow at this time. Let's pray at this time. Lord, thank you that though in Adam's likeness, the first Adam, You have made us into the likeness and you are making us into the likeness of the second Adam. And we look forward to that day when sin and all of its horrors are behind us. Lord, rejoice us in the free redemption that you supply through Christ. We are sinners and we rejoice when we think of how You as the holy God, the holy, holy, holy God, could bring us to redemption through Christ. And so we think with the hymnist of how unworthy we are and rejoice in all the worth of Christ. We pray now in his name. Amen.
continuing the theme earlier, turn with me to number 337. 337, when we consider the fall and even our own sinfulness, it should cause us great grief that we should cry out to God from depths of woe. 337, from depths of woe. Let us sing together. From depths of woe I cry to Thee, Lord, hear me, I implore Thee. Bend down Thy gracious ear to me, my prelate come before Thee. Lord, since Thy searching
Our scripture reading is taken from 2 Corinthians, beginning in the 10th chapter and verse number 12. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 12. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you, For we were the first to come even as far as you in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors, but with the hope that, as your faith grows, we will be, within our sphere, enlarged even more by you, so as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another." But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. On into chapter 11. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you that we can come together again this morning, around your word, and remember this. There's so much in this world, things new to these weeks, and and things ongoing, that could lead us astray. Protect us from that, I ask, and help us to stay true to you rather than being led astray by other things. We don't understand how you could have done all that you've done for us, that you should love people like us. We don't know how it can be, but we're grateful for it. Help us to live accordingly. Again, help us not to be led astray. In Jesus' name, amen. turn in the back of the blue hymnal to the Psalter, Psalm 130. Psalm 130, Lord from the depths to thee I cried. 100, Psalm 130 in the blue hymnals. Lord from the depths to thee I cried. 
my voice, Lord, to Thou hear unto my supplication's voice, give an attentive ear, Lord, who shall stand if Thou, O Lord, shouldst mock iniquity. But yet with Thee forgiveness is that blessing. Come thou fount, even as we are tempted to be led astray, let us pray that we would be sealed by God. Come thou fount of every blessing. 243. Come thou fount of every Blessing to my heart to sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain. Fixed upon it, 
Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. All to praise how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to Thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to Thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for Thy courts above. It has been our habit for at least a few years to sometimes intersperse uh, some of the psalms as we've been between uh, between various uh, series. And so last May, we finished up preaching Psalm 5. And so I'd like to take us this morning and for the next a few weeks in the, the Psalms here at the beginning of the Psalter. Psalm 6 is where we are this morning. <clears throat> Psalm 6. The care of the Lord and the help that he supplies in prayer clearly uh, indicated to us here in Psalm 6. Let me read, and then I'll make a few comments uh, about weeks ahead, and then we'll we'll look to this uh, psalm in preaching. Psalm chapter 6, Psalm 6, excuse me. For the choir director with stringed instruments upon an eight-string lyre, a psalm of David. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your wrath, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed. But you, O Lord, and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness. For there is no mention of you in death. In Sha'ol, who will give you thanks? I am weary with my singing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of all my adversaries. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity, 
For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They shall turn back. They will suddenly be ashamed. With the people of the Lord, there is trouble and there is hope for no trouble. There is the coming of dismay and there is the hope of no dismay. Might the Lord help us as we look to the, his word and this uh, at this time. Let's bow before our Lord. Lord, might the joys and sorrows of David be ours as our circumstances are like unto his. Might we come to the confidence and the surety that he knows and he rejoices in before you even now. Lord, might we see here in this psalm reason all the more to trust in you and hope in you. I pray that you would bless in directing us into your word at this time. Direct my speech that you might get the glory in the name of Christ by whom we come before you. We pray. Amen. The Renaissance is sometimes thought of in terms of beginning in the 14th century, the 1300s. But at least two centuries earlier, the beginnings of the Renaissance, what became seen in the 14th century, was begun in the 12th century. There was an Italian scholar, Gerard of Cremona, who traveled south into Spain. He traveled into the uh, mid-center of that uh, peninsula to go to Toledo, Spain. And he went there because recently the Spaniards had uh, conquered the, the raiding and, or the um, invaders who had previously uh, conquered Spain, the Arabs who had settled there, the Muslims. And the Christians had conquered Toledo back to their cause. And there in Toledo were many manuscripts in Arabic, which uh, the Muslims and the, the Arabs previous uh, in previous uh, centuries had translated from Greek and from the classical sources had translated into Arabic. And these, these documents, these writings that were lost in the Western world were still in existence. They were extant in Toledo in the great library there. And so Gerard of Cremona was going, he was going especially to find a Greek uh, ast- astronomical text that he had heard of. Uh, But when he got to Toledo, he found so many manuscripts on so many subjects 
that he spent the rest of his life first learning Arabic and then translating from Arabic into Latin all the texts that he found of importance. There were works on dialectic, there were works on astronomy, works on philosophy, works on mathematics, works on medicine. The great Galen, the physician Galen, had written and his works were there. There were works by Euclid, works by Aristotle, um, other works, great works, which from the second century were lost to the Western world in large part. Uh, By the 11th century, they were wholly lost to the Western world and revived. They were resurrected. There was a renaissance in looking back to the, the, the classics of the Roman and Greek era. But even though Gerard of Cremona spends some 30 years until he dies translating 71 major classic works, which we we have in part today because of work done in, in those centuries. People all over the globe, people in Toledo, Spain, people like you and me now, no matter the advances and no matter the uh, joys of discovery and, and insights that we might learn, we still have all of our human problems. We still have all of our human trials and circumstances. Think of David, the great uh, poet of Israel, the great king in, in, in the, the run-up to the golden age of Israel's era. And yet, David, for all of his greatness and for all the blessings of the circumstances which God brought to fruition through David that Solomon was able to enjoy thereafter, the human existence, the human lot is still a lot filled with the path filled with pain and hardship, sickness and suffering, yea, even death. The great David, not immune to the same kind of trials and struggles that we have, that we face. And so I think there's much that we can learn here. And I want to especially focus on two things that we might uh, see David um, triumphing in, see David successful in uh, staying away some, from some pitfalls that we might otherwise come into. And we can see them here in Psalm 6. David is able to sing. Now, it is true that laments and all kinds of dirges are put to psalm and song and hymnody of both joy and and of sorrow exists. But here you have David putting to psalm, putting to song a, a, a text which is an encouragement as we look to the, the hope that we find in the Lord, the threefold repetition in verses 8 and 9. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity. The Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives 
my prayer. David sees triumph here, and I think triumph in two particular areas, areas which we might model ourselves after David. Before we look to those two themes, those two areas where we might follow in David's triumph, it is helpful to think about the context of this psalm in particular. We aren't given a particular historical circumstance that is clear in this text. However, this psalm is frequently paired with other penitential psalms. And the reason for that is especially twofold. The beginning, the very first verse, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your wrath. Uh, It would seem that where God's wrath is appropriate and where anger, God's anger is appropriate, that that would be in the context of sin. And thus, thinking of uh, Psalm 6 as a penitential psalm, as a psalm of a penitent coming to the Lord, uh, confessing sin. Uh, the, the second major reason that this psalm is classified with the penitential psalms frequently is because Psalm 38, which is clearly a penitential psalm, begins with the exact uh, kind of language that you have in Psalm 6 and verse 1. So if you compare Psalm 6-1 with Psalm 38-1, you won't have to worry about finding very much difference. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your wrath. However, though this psalm is classed with the penitential psalms, and it's possible that it is a penitential psalm in reality, it is interesting that here in this text, unlike Psalm 38, where very clearly and very uh, uh I just lost the word. Um, Effusively, uh, very effusively, David repents of his sin. Psalm 38. He he repents with 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 uh, clear and bold language of his sin. You you do not find in in Psalm six here any repentance or any mention of wrongdoing that David had is is saying he's he's done wrong. You, You don't have a confession here in Psalm six. Um, So possibly uh, this isn't a a psalm just focused on uh, on the penitent who has sinned and is seeking forgiveness. David doesn't ask for forgiveness here. Uh, Possibly this is looking more broadly to the context of sin or to think about it in the ways that a a helpful commentator on the, the psalm has written. There is no specific note of penitence or confession in this psalm. To interpret it as a penitential psalm, we must assume that God's anger and the psalmist's suffering are the consequences of sin he has committed. Since the psalmist in the extremity of his anguish does not protest his innocence, this may be so. And I would I would leave it at the may be so. It may be so. Um, so I think that instead of focusing on sin as the 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 center point of of psalm 6 in, instead of thinking about sin as as the clear um overt communication of what psalm psalm uh, 6 is about i think it might be better to think of 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 sin in the context of psalm 6 as the backdrop as the backdrop 
It might not be any sin in David's life. It, it may be sin in David's life. We aren't, it isn't clearly told to us here in, in Psalm 6. And so, whereas in Psalm 38, you do find that clarity in Psalm 6, um, we, we do not. So then, I think that there are two ways in which, without assuming the necessity of sin on David's part, um, or assuming the, the sin on David's part, we, we can find ways to follow with him in the triumph. Uh, as we as we go into the the trials and the hardships of life as a human, life on God's world, and the first would be thinking about this idea: when sick, we're reminded that this wasn't the sickness wasn't God's original design. When sick, we are reminded that sickness was not God's original design. Now, clearly, there's a context of sickness here in this text. Verse 2, be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed. The the clear uh, connection in terms of the logic of the verses is is within verse 2. Why should the Lord be gracious for I'm pining away? Lord, Help my physical infirmities be gracious in this way. Or verse uh, number two in the last phrase, heal me, O Lord. Why? For my bones are dismayed. My bones are dismayed. This language of being dismayed is language which is used of the agony of terror. Being overcome by terror. That's the, the, the language that's used here. It's used not just in verse number two and, and the beginning of verse number three. And my soul is greatly dismayed. It's also used at the very end of uh, Psalm six and verse 10. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. So David doesn't want to know terror that immobilizes him. David wants to be free from that kind of hardship in his, in his human path and life. And so he prays, be gracious to me, O Lord. But why would the Lord need to be gracious? Why would the Lord need to shower mercy? Why would David trust in the loving kindness of the Lord? Verse four, return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your Loving kindness. Well, I think, though it's not, though it's not uh, obvious in the text, though, though it's not a connection with particular uh, wording and, and uh, prepositions or uh, pulling together in the text, consider verse 1 with verse 2. Oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your wrath. Be gracious to me. Now, even if we are living uh, lives of righteousness before the Lord, even if we're living lives of faithfulness before the Lord, how many sins would you think you commit in a day? I'm not asking for you to speak out loud. Um, my, my thought is uh, in this text that 
Uh, David is tying together verse 2 and the first phrase, be gracious to me, with verse 1. Lord, even if I'm being faithful to you, I'm coming into your temple in, 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 uh, in, in freedom from any hypocrisy. Even if I'm being faithful to you, uh, whether, whether Bathsheba is far in the past or, or not yet, uh, in, in David's circumstance of life. Even if I'm being faithful to you, I'm a sinner. And how many times could, could, if, if, if the Lord were to count iniquity, as we, as we sang, if the Lord were to count iniquity, who could stand? And so I, I think that as we think about, uh, as we think about the, the sickness that David is in, he, he, he asked the Lord, be gracious to me. And this, this is all the more, uh, appropriate that this sickness would be, uh, connected with David's plea for God's grace because where did sickness come from? David knows the history. David knows if you, if you were giving him a Sunday school test, he would be able to tell you about Adam. He would be able to tell you about Eve. He'd be able to tell you about the serpent. He might be able to tell you about more about the tree and the fruit than we know, right? It might be lost to us, some of the details that David knew. But as God originally made things, God did not make our bodies for the purpose of, of verse number two, pining away. Or verse number uh, two, the, the end, my bones being dismayed, troubled. God originally made us pre-sin. God made us not for death. God made us not for sickness. So I think even verse two and verse one can be tied together theologically as you think about them and meditate on them together. But when we're sick, we're reminded that this wasn't God's original design. God originally made uh, made Adam and Eve and then pronounced it what? Good. And not just good, but very good. Very good. And yet as we go through life, not only do we bruise ourselves, not only do we jam our fingers, not only do we get paper cuts, there's cancer, there's COVID. You can go down the list. This isn't the world as God had originally intended it. And so our sickness can be a help to do what? It can be a help to point us to God. And that's exactly what David does. Verse three, my soul is greatly dismayed, but you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness. It's not as though uh, David is deserving it's not as though David is proud in his righteousness and thinks himself worthy of God's mercy and grace. But David 
supplicating himself before the Lord, pleads with the Lord, Lord, how long? Lord, how long? This was, uh, this was famous on the lips of Calvin. This, this was, this was Calvin's, uh, John Calvin's summary of the Psalms. Lord, how long? When we recognize, uh, as we're sick, we're reminded that this wasn't God's original design. It pushes us to prayer. It pushes us to the one who can deal with the problems that no human physicians can deal with. He can solve the problems that no medical team can solve. He can restore our health in ways that no scientist could figure out. Here is the kindness of our God. He created us according to his original design, separate from sin and separate from uh, the sorrows of sickness and separate from the sorrows of death. And the one who created us that way can restore us. I think that David has a victory here. He's, he's sick. His sickness has come into his bones. It's, it's gone to the depths of his physical, uh, his physical trials. But he looks to the Lord. He looks to the Lord for help. Um, I, I think it's especially when we're sick that we're, we're tempted towards sin. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention this again later. But as, as we go through the hardships of physical weakness and physical uh, importunity, as, as we go through those hardships, we're, we're tempted in our weakness to resort to, resort to uh, solving our problems in sinful ways. But David doesn't do that. Save me because of your loving kindness, he says. In fact, besides just looking to sickness and being reminded of God's original design, I think that this leads David into, into praise. His, his prayer for, Dave, for God to work in David's life and restore him in health um, is mentioned in verse 5 in this way. For there's no mention of you in death. In Sheol, who will give you thanks? Now, there's two ways to take this, and I'm not settled on one way or the other. One way is to take it as as um, would be very obvious. Um, a few years ago, I was able to sing uh, the entirety of Handel's, uh, Handel's Messiah, uh, rejoicing to do that. Um, when was the last time you've heard a choir of dead people Singing Handel's Messiah, right? You, you, you probably have never heard, uh, I would imagine you've never heard, um, a dead person singing the Lord's praises, okay? Um, and so maybe David is just thinking in terms of physical. When you're dead, you can't be encouraging your wife. You can't be encouraging your husband. You can't be encouraging your children in praising the Lord, that 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 is that is the the circumstance of the living, and not those who are in the grave. Um, or uh, verse number five, there's no mention of you in death in Sheol. Who will give you thanks? Maybe that is uh, maybe that is because of the uh, limitations 
of the Old Testament understanding of uh, of the afterlife of eternity. Um, I wouldn't go very far down that path because the Old Testament does make clear that the Old Testament saints had understanding of uh, of what happened after death, at least in small part, but they did not have the same clarity that we have. To be to be dead, to be in the grave, is to be present with the Lord. And that New Testament revelation, that New Testament clarity uh, hasn't come. So there may be something of both or, or uh, one or the other. But in either case, David is wanting to give praise and thanks to the Lord. And he's not going to let his sickness stop him from doing that. In fact, the fact that he's penning this, the, the fact that he's composing this music, penning this psalm as it were, uh, he wouldn't be composing the music necessarily, but um, penning this this psalm points to the fact that he's trusting in the Lord. He's wanting to bring thanks and praise to the Lord. This uh, bringing thanks uh, and praise to the Lord is in the context, uh, secondly, of great grief and hardship. And I think the second idea that we can think of in terms of David's triumph, when in grief and hardship, we are susceptible to sin. When in grief and hardship, we are susceptible to sin. You see the extremity of the grief that, that uh, David writes of, verse 6 and 7. I am weary with my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with tears. Uh, but then it goes on, verse 7. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of all my adversaries. Um, it, it's helpful to note that sorrow and tears are not always synonymous. Right? As, as the Proverbs say, a happy countenance can hide a sad heart. And so whether it's the outward tears, verse 6, or whether that's the ending of tears, verse 7, with your, your, you've cried as much as you can cry and you can't cry anymore. Physically impossible. In, in that extremity of grief, David looks to the Lord. Spurgeon uh, wrote of the poet Don, as God sees the water and the spring in the veins of the earth before it bubble upon the face of the earth, so God sees tears in the heart of man before they blubber his face. God hears the tears of that sorrowful soul, which for sorrow cannot shed tears. Whether it's sorrow of body or sorrow of soul, God sees and God knows. That's implied in verses 3 and 4. Um, my soul is greatly dismayed. Or sorry, uh, two and three. My soul. So there's soul trouble, verse three. There's soul trouble, verse four. Rescue my soul. And there's body trouble, verse two. I'm pining away. My bones are dismayed. The, the greatest of troubles is the troubles that come to our souls. And so in this greatness of grief, we see that uh, David 
purposes to stay away from sin. Because when we're in deep grief and hardship, we're, we're all the more susceptible to sin. Uh, I, w- I would say that we're not just susceptible to sin as we are at all times, but we're especially susceptible to sin when we're in hardship and grief. Verse number eight. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity. David is preempting the temptation. David is working against the enemy, as it were. He's working against the enemy ahead of time, declaring them off bounds. Now, if you if you imagine the kinds of circumstances where you are in uh, physical pain, the, the kinds of circumstances where you are recognizing sickness in your body that's long term, it, it's easy in those circumstances to hear the beck and call of the evil, of the wicked ones. And, and they say, um, you can do it faster. Get over the pain. You can do it easier. Get over the pain. You, you can do it in novel ways. Get over the pain. You, you can do it in ungodly ways. The, the allure of that which is forbidden. Right? Think of the ways that people in a 21st century society in America have figured out ways to resolve their, their, their physical pains and resolve their uh, physical problems. I, I think of alcohol, I think of marijuana, and the list could go on. And, and people medicate, people run the path of the wicked in order to get a short-term, uh, a short-term resolution, a short-term remedy. But what does David say? I'm not going to give uh, give way to the to the expediency of sin's temptation. I, I'm I'm in I'm in sorrow and pain physically, so I'm I'm tempted to go down the path of pleasure. And David says, depart from me, all you who do iniquity. This, this, is, uh, this is the pattern in the Proverbs. This is a pattern to know in, in Christian life. Determine before you're in the circumstance that you're not going to give way. Determine before you're in the hardship that you're not going to uh, allow temptation to have greater uh, greater ground. D- David is expelling from his presence those who would incline him towards iniquity, those who would incline him towards sin. Why? Well, as we come to some application, if if we can follow the, uh, David in remembering that when we're sick, uh, we should be reminded that this isn't God's original design. If we can follow David in the joy of knowing that in grief and in hardship, we're susceptible to sin, but God can deliver us from that. How would we do that? How would we do that? I think the end of the psalm points to two ways. 
that we can follow David in his, his trial. You know, I've mentioned already the confidence that David has in prayer. Confidence in prayer. The Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. David's weeping isn't just weeping because of pain and hardship and and physical uh, extenuating circumstances that produce the response of tears coming out of the eyes. Okay, If, If you take a person's hand and you put it in the fire, eventually they're going to cry. Eventually there's going to be a physical response. But David's weeping isn't just a physical response. He's directing his weeping to who? To the Lord. Incline your weeping to the Lord. He's the only one who can ultimately solve your problems. The doctors might figure out a a vaccination, some sort of remedy for COVID. But they'll never figure out a remedy for death. And they'll never figure out a remedy long-term, eternally for for, for uh, sickness. God alone can do that. And so David has confidence in prayer. Lord, the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. Uh, verse nine, the Lord has heard my supplication. Verse nine, the Lord receives my prayer. Obviously, if we're going to follow David in having the joy of triumph, uh, being, being freed from uh, sickness, which frequently God doesn't do, right? This, this is this is one of the circumstances where God actually answers prayer by freeing from the sickness. But so often, the sickness doesn't get answered by freedom from the sickness here and now. David is still continuing to be faithful in prayer. Verse 10, I think there's... Uh, another confidence that David has, confidence in prayer, and then confidence in promises, confidence in God's promises. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They shall turn back. They will be suddenly ashamed. I, I think a part of judgment is related to shame. Those who are in hell will forever be tormented by the thought that they deserve to be there. The shame of knowing all that they are experiencing, they deserve. Judgment comes, at least in part, in the form of shame, being ashamed. And David knows that for the saint, there is eternal deliverance from shame. God will not allow the righteous to be ashamed. You find Paul making this clear in Romans and elsewhere. The the, the one who is righteous will not be put to shame. Uh, God had made covenant relationship with David He was going to keep his kingdom, put him on the throne, and his throne would endure. Would David die in ignominy? 
God had promised he would not be put to shame, that he would have an eternal reward. Might we have confidence in prayer? Might we have confidence in God's promises? Whether or not God changes our physical circumstance right now, there is an eternal reward. There is an eternal reward. Might we bow together in prayer? Lord, deliver us from evil. Might we not know the intensity of pain that we would give in to sin as a remedy? Might we not know the fullness of freedom from sickness and be tempted to rely on ourselves? But Lord, as you allow sickness into our lives, as you put it there to grow us in godliness and Christ-likeness, might you help us in looking to you and trusting in you. I thank you for David's example. I pray that we might buy it looking through the glasses that David has to Jesus Christ. Might we be encouraged. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you take the blue hymnals, 371, it is well with my soul. 371, would you stand as we sing in closing? It is well with my soul, 371. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, it is.
of our God's peace. You are dismissed.